Good morning. A couple of you are awake, it sounds like. <laughs> a couple of things before we jump into the sermon. I wanted to say, uh, you know, first of all, Corey, that, that song, uh, How Great Thou Art, that is my, uh, was my grandmother's uh, favorite song. And so every time we sing it, I could just imagine her up in heaven singing this with the angels, you know. And she was such a lovely lady and such an important part of my life that when I think about this, it just brings a smile to my face. So thank you for doing that. I love that song, by the way. Um, the second part of that, uh, second part of that I wanted to say before we jumped in is uh, just to further what uh, Jay was saying. We have made a commitment here at Passion to uh, fund some missionaries this year. Uh, unlike what we have done in the past, we have taken donations that you have given and we've passed it on to missionaries. This year we have decided that we are going to, at our uh, at the core of everything that we do is we're going to try to give at least 10% of the tie that we get in from a church to a missionary this year. And so we are supporting currently right now Samuel and the Father's Heart Foundation, or I always want to say our Father's Heart Foundation. It's the Father's Heart Foundation in El Salvador, but we'll also be donating and supporting some other mission items and uh, things that are going on this year. So I just want to keep you guys up to date on that. We'll be having our quarterly meeting uh, as members and share some of that in the coming days, uh, but just wanted to share that with you. All right, before we get started, guys, what's next Sunday? Ah, all right, so Corey and who was back? Was that Lucas or Logan? Logan back there, okay. They're, they're going to be happy next Sunday. I don't know about anyone else, but okay, so... Just to remind you that next Sunday is Valentine's Day, guys, okay? Valentine's Day is next Sunday. Just want to make sure we get that in there, okay? No, it is a wonderful time. I know some people don't like to celebrate because they say it's a made-up holiday. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, the, the story, the, the history of Valentine's Day, as, mu- as many holidays are, is actually rooted in some... Uh, some not so savory things, uh, but then what happens is the the uh, church of old has tried to uh, take the holidays and make them into a redeem the holidays basically, and it's said to believe that Valentine Saint Valentine the the actual Valentine was the very first one was he was thrown into jail, and from jail he was sending letters of support to people around him and he would sign. Your Valentine. His name was actually Valentinius, I think is what it was, uh, and he would sign your Valentine. And so those are the those were the original, some of the original. There's other stories of how that began. There's three actual uh, saints that they believe that this holiday may be named after. But today I want to talk about I want to I, I want to further this idea of matters of the heart and talk about love for a moment. Today we're going to. Uh, look at love and ask the question, what is love? You know, I'm often, uh, I'm often one who loves, loves to say I love you. <laughs> I mean, I do. I, I like to say that. I like to express my feelings towards other people. My wife, I, I'm sure every time we have a conversation, every time we text each other, every time we part from each other, we always say, I love you. That's just something that we do. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's a heartfelt uh, phrase that I am wanting to pass on to her and other people. But love today is a popular word. And that's not always a good thing. 
Because I think today love, the word love is passed around without a full understanding of what that really means. You know, I was in the, um, I was in the store. Uh, well, actually, let me, let me rephrase that. I was in my, my second favorite office, Dunkin' Donuts. And um, as I was there, I heard some kids in the background. And this boy must have been maybe 12, 13 years old. And he says to his female partner that's there, he looks over at her and he goes, I love you. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty brave, you know, 12, 13 years old. And they're, they're calling each other and saying, I love you, love each other. And, and uh, so I was waiting for a meeting to begin. And so I, <laughs> I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as some sermon material. So I got up and I walked over to this young man. I said, you know, I just heard you say I love you. And I said, are you guys dating? And he's like, yeah, we've been dating for two days. <laughs> and I went, two days? And he's like, yeah. And I said, but you said I love you to her. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, so I looked at the young lady. I said, does that scare you at all? And she's like, I don't think he really knows what love is. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I looked at him and I said, you're in trouble, young man. That's all I got to say, right? But I asked him, I said, I said, why do you love her? Well, she's beautiful. She's everything I could ever want. And I'm thinking, man, at 12 years old, he's, he's a pretty good Romeo here. You know, he might be in trouble in a few years. But as we're having this conversation, as we're talking, I'm thinking to myself, this young man has no idea what the concept of loving another human being even is. He has this idea of that love is built upon looks. Love is built upon spending time with this person. Love is all of those things. And love can be those things. I'm not saying that we don't love people that we're, I I mean, we love people that we're attracted to. Uh, Hopefully, if you're in a married relationship here today, that you are attracted to your spouse and you are in love with them. That's one of the reasons why you're in love with them. But love is much more than just an attraction by looks. Love is much more than just a word that we say. As I said, I like to say I love you oftentimes and and, uh, Pastor Chaz and I often end our conversations with love you. And I have no problem telling him that I love him because I have a relationship with him that spans many years and we have been in thick and thin together. We have uh, done many things with the Lord and many things with the church and just have a friendship, a bond together. And so I have no problem telling him that. I'm secure enough in my manhood that I can tell another man that I love him. I'm okay with that. Tell you where it gets kind of funny though. I'm going to share a, little, a quick story. Back uh, when I was in the business world, I was I was talking to my wife on the phone. It was lunchtime, and we were just finishing up the conversation. And I said, "I love you," and I hung up the phone. And immediately, as soon as I hung up the phone, my phone rang again, and I pick up this phone, and it's a coworker. And as I'm talking to this coworker, we're planning out these things, this event that was going on. And right at the end of the conversation, just as I'm ready to hang up the phone, I'm like, "I love you," and I hung up the phone. And I'm like, "Crap! Did I just say I love you to someone that I work with here?" And it wasn't more than about 30 seconds that my phone rang. And I pick up the phone, and it's this young lady, my coworker that I work with, who I'm friends with, by the way. And she goes, Jason, she goes, I know we've been working together a long time, but I don't know if I'm ready to say I love you in our relationship here. <laughs> and I said, I'm so sorry. I would just got done talking to my wife, and it just rolled off my tongue naturally. I'm sorry. You know, and, and, and we had a good laugh about it. I have still yet to live that one down, by the way. Oftentimes on Facebook, she'll send me a text that says, do you still love me? And she goes, you haven't sent me flowers in a long time or anything like that. I said, I've never sent you flowers, so don't, you know, don't get me in trouble here. But 
See, the world tells us that we should love all people. The world tells us that we should, our love is conditioned on us accepting the values that the other person says it's okay. So if your values, your morals are different than that other person, you should still love that person. One of the issues that I think we have a problem with today in our culture is that in our culture today, we are expected to love everyone, even if we disagree with them. The problem with this is that our English language uses this word love, and love is much different. Love, the English word of love, is just just this feeling, this this, uh, affirmation of uh, and completion of two people together. But the truth of the matter is, is that love is not just accepting someone. Love is not just accepting the values that that person has. Love is not just merely uh, 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 agreeing with everything that person has. In fact, sometimes the greatest form of love is when we differ with someone. And we try to show them the truth. And we have a discussion, we have a dialogue, we have this, this concept of, of spending time together and sharing our thoughts and visions with each other. Those are the basis of what love really means. Love is not just truly accepting someone. In our culture today, we are called to love everyone. Well, I can't say that I love everyone. I love the people who I have a connection with, that I have spent time with and life with, that I build this development. It doesn't mean that I don't appreciate them. It doesn't mean that I don't love them in the same way that Christ would want me to love them for the Lord, but it means something different. See, our English language takes love and just makes it one word. The Hebrew language and the Latin versions of love are much, much deeper. You know, I could sit here and I could talk about all of these versions. It's a great sermon. I've done this sermon before, talking about agape and philo and uh, phileo and, and, uh, and all of these other versions uh, of love. And I'm not going to talk about that today. Just understand that when we think about this word love, the, the English language combines all of these things. But scripturally, God defines love in many different ways. See, the way I love my wife is different than the way I love Pastor Chess. Thank God, right? <laughs> oh boy, I'm get, I could get myself in trouble on this one. I'll, I'll leave that one alone, Pastor Chess. For you and I, for our, the sake of both of us, I'll just leave that one alone. But no, honestly, the way that we love our friends are different than the way we love our spouses. The way that we love our friends is different than the way we love our children. There's a different types of love. And, and Scripture begins to define those and break those down. But at the core of all of these, there is one word that is often used for love in Scripture, and that's called agape love. This is the love that God had for people. This is the love that God has for us, that he loved us, that he agaped us so much that he was willing to send his own son to die on the cross for us. The depth of that word is so much deeper than just this word that we use, love. Love is deeper than the feelings of butterflies or some acceptance of one's beliefs or views. It goes deeper than that. Even in marriage relationships, love is often misunderstood. We often think that as long as my spouse is doing everything that I want them to do, as long as my spouse is, is, is uh, providing and, and, and giving me comfort and joy, that I can love them. It's almost like we're going back and singing the... Uh, you know, what have you done for me lately, Janet Jackson's song. And the love in many relationships is built that way. The love in many marriage relationships is built upon what have you done for me lately. But the truth of the matter is that love is built not on what someone has done for them. Love is built upon the sacrifice that we are willing to make for another person. 
Scripture is very clear on what that is. Yes, the person can do something that you don't like, and you will often be angry or aggravated if you, your spouse, and you're here today, and you're married, or you're dating, and, and you have a significant other in your life, when they do something that aggravates you, yes, you can be aggravated with them. You can ask my wife. I'm sure I've aggravated her many times. But at the end of the day, we still love each other. Our love is not built upon the, the actions of what she has done for me or what I have done for her. Our love is built on something much deeper than that. There's a couple things that when we look at this word love, we find that scripture actually shares, as I said, different forms of love. Love is defined in, in, in Webster's Dictionary as an intense feeling of deep affection. It's also defined as a great interest in something. Can you imagine an intense feeling or a great uh, interest in something. Now listen, I have a deep affection for pizza, but I'm not going to marry it, right? I'm not going to fall in love with it. I'll eat it anytime someone serves it to me. And I may even say, I love pizza. But when I say that, it's much different than saying, I love you, Jennifer. There's much difference there. My form of love that I give to pizza is different than the form of love I give to uh, my wife. And so it's very important that we understand what love really is. What does Scripture say love is? What does, how can we take what Scripture says love is and then move it on into our life and into our relationships? And now let me say something very clearly, though, here to, today, too. If you're married, this love relationship is with your marriage. It is with your spouse. It's with your husband or your wife. If you're here and you have kids, it's with your kids. If you're watching online and either one of those apply to you, it's also in those areas. But love doesn't have to stop just with your kids or your wife or your husband. It doesn't stop just with your mom or your dad or your family. Love is an affection that we as Christians should have for other people, but it's learning to love the way that Christ wants us to love those people. That's important. You're here today and you're friends. Hopefully there's an affection that you have for I or I have an affection for you. I can truly honestly say every single one of you, I love you. I do. I care for you. And if I went by the by the description that Webster says, this deep, this deep um, intense feeling of affection or a great interest in something, there would be a lot of things that I could run around and say love. But Scripture, as it often does, gives us the baselines of what love really is. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The most famous wedding verse and chapter that you've ever heard, if you've been in any weddings or, or uh, have... Um, but married yourself, you probably have seen this verse and read this verse a million times. But before we read this, let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us and guide us in this. And then we'll begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you and to share with you and worship you today. Lord, it's an honor and a privilege every single day that we get to wake up and worship you. Whether it's through music as, they, as the worship team did before, or whether it's through our tithes and offerings, or whether it's just from our prayers that we fall to our knees and pray to you and ask you, Lord, it's a, it's a privilege to be in this life to worship you. But Lord, you also tell us what love really is, and it's an honor that we know that you love us. Scripture tells us that you loved us so much that you're willing to go to the cross and die for us. Scripture also tells us that you're the the author of love. 
And so because of all of those things and because you, you modeled this so beautifully to us, may you help us today, Lord, to learn what it means to love. As we read this scripture, as we read these verses, Lord, may it reside inside our hearts, inside our minds. And may we learn to love in the scripturally biblical way that you want us to love. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask you that you would be in our midst. And Holy Spirit, we ask you that you just come. Have your way in this service. Speak to us. Open our eyes and open our ears. Remove any log jams or anything that's keeping us from hearing from you today. Speak to us the truth and what we need to learn and how we need to grow, Father. Lord, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, Father. That you would guide us and direct us. You would guide and direct me share this message today. Give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Now, um, before I read any further, I'm going to say this. I apologize to any of you that walked into this room and were arguing uh, especially you men that were arguing with your wives, because now I'm giving your wife uh, a lot of things, arrows in her quiver that she could go home and say, "Honey, you weren't patient. You didn't. You weren't kind. Honey, you didn't. You, you're envying. You're boasting about something. You're being arrogant. You're doing all of these things." So I apologize ahead of time, guys. You can call me up later. You can send me the emails. I will. I will pray for you. But I'm apologizing now. Okay. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And we're going to pause there. Of course, Paul goes on to say, but the greatest of these are love. He talks about faith and hope. This verse that we often hear in weddings, I I don't think people really understand. In fact, one of the things I like to do in premarital counseling before we do the service is I ask you, what does it mean, this? What does this kind of love mean to you? If you can describe this, if, if, if in your relationship can you understand that love is patient, what does that mean? Well, if love is patient, what that means is that we are patient with each other. We don't get angry at each other. If your wife or husband doesn't do what, they want, what you want them to do, you're going to be patient with them. You're going to pause and you're going to give them an opportunity. You're not going to just jump on them and yell at them and scream at them. No, love is patient. Love is also kind. What does that mean? Being kind means that we are going to share. You know, this, this past week at Bridge Builders, it was really fun. We had the kids, uh, we played a game where we had uh, signs up all around the room. And, and we had these kids, and we had them doing musical chairs at the signs. And one of the things that we did before we started is I said, what does it mean to be kind? And to hear, from, uh, to hear kindergartners all the way up through fifth graders try to describe what it means to be kind what it means to be patient, what it means to be silly, what it means to be all of these words. It was, a, it was a laugh. But this one young man says, to be kind means 
a sacrifice. And I went, wow, that's really interesting. That's pretty deep for a, I think he was third grade or fourth grade, something like that. I said, that's pretty deep for a fourth grader. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. How many times in our relationship have we been rude to our spouse? How many times in our relationships with friends or with our children have we been rude because we've done something that we are selfish with ourselves? Scripture says that love is patient, kind, does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it's not selfish, it's not irritable, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. This is a wonderful verse. And it gives us the baseline of exactly what love is. Love is all of these things. Love is kind. Love is patient. And if we're not following these things, then we're not really loving. There's a time in every one of our relationships, whether it's a marriage relationship or a friendship relationship, that we have not served and loved that person in the way that Scripture calls us to do. But Scripture calls us to do these things. Be patient. Be kind. See, love is often viewed as what someone does for me. Love in the worldly sense. Today we can say when, when, when you talk to someone who doesn't base their love in scriptural or biblical values, when you ask them what love is, oftentimes it is when someone makes me happy. Their definition has nothing to do with them being kind, them not being rude, them, not, them being sel- uh, uh, selfless, them being uh, humble, them being all of those things. Oh, it's all about what it does for me. See, the world will tell you that love is how you feel, but the truth of the matter is it's not that way at all. Love is when two people have a respect for each other and can be all of these things for each other, and it's mutual, back and forth. The world has made love all about us. But love is an action verb. It's not a... It's a verb where we are called to be actionable, I should say. It's not just in receiving, it is in giving. You can receive love. Yes, that's very true. We receive the love that Jesus had on the cross for us. We receive the love that someone else has for us. But we should also be this action verb where we are loving other people and we are sending out at the same time. 1 John... Chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 says, By this we know that we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and he sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in world in word, I'm sorry, or talk, but in deed and in truth. I love the way this verse begins. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. This kind of love that John is talking to us, this kind of John, uh, this love that John is comparing to what Christ did, that Christ says that love is when we lay ourselves down. John says it is when Christ laid his self down for us. That was the greatest form of love that could ever be made. By this we know that love, what love is, that he laid down his life for us. It goes on to tell us, I'm sorry, it goes on to tell us that if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Now see, love is, 
a complex word because it is for relationships, yes, that you have with your husband and wife, but love also extends from there. We are called as Christians to love as Jesus Christ loved, which means that we are called to give our life to the people around us. We are called to help those that are in need. We are called to help those who may never pay us back in that love. See, spiritual love is self-sacrificing. Worldly love is very selfish. In this one scripture, it's clearly marked that the version of love that God requires and shows us is very self-sacrificing. Jesus modeled this perfect love and the love that he lays down for one another. Jesus is modeling what true love is. After all, he is the author of love. After all, he is the one who came to us to show us what love really is. And so he is offering this view to all of us. Love is self-sacrificing. Love is giving of yourself and not thinking about yourself. Many times in a marriage relationship, marriage relationships are having problems or they're on the rocks because one or the other party is too often thinking about themselves versus thinking about the other person. Many times in a friendship, friendships go bad because we begin to think about ourselves and we don't think about those other people. Many times in family relationships, it's we, we, we stop, we, we pause to, to think about those other people. We think about us. It's very easy to do in the world and, and day that we live in. It's very easy to get so caught up in all of the, hub, the, the craziness, I was going to say the hubbub, but the craziness of this world. It's very easy to get caught up in that. And when we don't sacrifice our time, when we don't sacrifice our energy and we build those relationships, we're not really sharing the love that God wants us to share. Today around us, the world will tell us that love is a mutual agreement between two people who do what is right for each other. It's based on a system of actions and it stays strong or grows as long as we do what each person wants us to do. But what happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when one or the other party fails? It is why today marriages across the United States are divorcing at such a high rate. The latest number I saw was somewhere between 50 to 54% of the marriages today will end up in divorce. The reason why is because what the, 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 the measuring stick becomes, what has that person done for me? How has that person uh, made me happy? How has that person done this? Instead, I want to love that person for who they are and try to work through these issues. So as soon as an issue arises, as soon as a problem arises, it's easy to go down to the courthouse and get a divorce. Because you know what? That person isn't loving me the way that I need to be loved, so therefore I'll go find someone who will. The love that we have in many marriage relationships is built on nothing more than just making me happy. But oftentimes, as what, and I can guarantee you in every marriage this happens, it always happens. In every relationship, there's a time that's going to test your relationship. There's going to be a time when something happens. Someone's going to get sick. Someone's going to get mad. Someone's going to get angry. There's going to be something that happens that's going to test the depth of your love. And if you don't love that person in a sacrificing way, then you're going to get mad at that person because your measuring stick is what they have done for me instead of what we can do together in this relationship. When the actions stop, when the good things that that person was doing for us begin to wane, then what is that love built upon? 
See, I think too often we make a mistake as young men and ladies, and I'm not going to point out to any of you young men and ladies that are here, but oftentimes we build our, our relationships with each other built upon looks and what that person has done. Now listen, I want you to be attracted to the person that you're dating. I want you to be attracted to your wife. You should be. I can tell you now that my wife is the most gorgeous thing, the most gorgeous woman in the whole entire world, and I'll argue and I'll fight with any man that wants to fight about that. Because I know that. But I also expect Pastor Chaz, I also expect Jay and Paul and everyone else in this room, Corey, and anyone else who's married to say the same thing about their spouse. Truth of the matter is, is that we don't look at just attraction. As I said last week, if you're just in a relationship because that person is attractive, then you're in that relationship out of lust, not love. It's when you go deeper than that, when you get to know the person's heart, when you get to know, is that person sacrificing themselves for you? Is that person making a commitment to love you in the same way that you're loving them? Is that person willing to sacrifice their well-being. We as men, I'm going to pause here for a moment and just speak to the guys, and I like to do this often, and not because I want to ignore you ladies, but in a marriage relationship, men, you are called to love your spouse as Christ loved the church. You know what Christ did for the church? He died for the church. He gave up everything. He gave up his future, his present, his past. He gave up everything for the church. He didn't care about going through pain. He didn't care about all of these things. He said, I will give it up all for the church. As men in a relationship, guess what we're called to do? We're called to love our wives just like Christ loved the church. That means you are called to sacrifice everything that you are. Your plans, your future, your present, your past, all of those things don't matter. You're called to sacrifice those things for your wife. That is the environment. By the way, then it tells wives that you should submit, right, to your husbands. I tell you what, Men, if you would provide an environment where you're willing to sacrifice anything for your wife, guess what? Your wife will probably be more than happy to submit to you. But it's not until that way. When you keep it all back and say, no, it's going to be my way. I'm going to, you need to submit to me. That, you, no wife's going to submit to you when you go around saying that. And by the way, submission on the wife's part is also, guess what? When you submit to your husband, guess what you're doing? You're sacrificing yourself. You're sacrificing what you, maybe a difference of opinion even. Christ calls us to love that way. Corinthians calls us to love as Christ, or, or love as patient and kind and not rude and not, and it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, all those things. And then it says that the way we know what love is by following Christ. And then, then, and then Paul tells us later in Ephesians that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And, and wives, you are to love your husbands by submitting to them. All of those things are called being self-sacrificing. I want to pause here just for a moment and say if you're in a relationship that is harmful to you I'm not telling you to lay down and take a beating I'm not telling you to be a doormat there's a way to be self-sacrificing and loving without endangering yourself if you're in a relationship whether it's you're here or you're watching online or you're watching at a later time if you're in a relationship that's dangerous get out of that relationship right now separate yourself from that relationship I'm not saying to divorce. I'm not saying to break up because I believe in reconciliation. I believe that someone can, can overcome the sins of their life and what they're going through. But what I'm saying is don't be a doormat. Stand up for yourself. Get away from that situation. Make this all right. But a good relationship does 
begin with how much each one of those persons are willing to sacrifice for the other. There's often time when my wife and I are getting ready to go out to dinner, we'll say, where do you want to eat? I don't know, wherever you want to eat, right? And then we sit there and we go on this journey of 20-minute discussion. We could eat there. No, I don't really want to eat there. How about here? No. You know, my wife, as many of you know, has a food allergy, and, and so there's, there's limited places that we can go to eat. There's a lot of places I'd love to go to have dinner at, right? But we were limited because of her food allergies. And so one of the ways that I can sacrifice to my wife is picking restaurants that may not be my favorite, but she can eat at, and I'll do that. That's okay. We're still going out to dinner. I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean dishes. <laughs> and let's, let's face it, it may not be the most favorite restaurant, but eating out anywhere is, is often good, you know? regardless of what you have. But that's just one simple way. What are other ways that we can sacrifice for our spouse? What are other ways that we can sacrifice in our friendships? What are other ways that we can sacrifice in these relationships that we have? We are called to do that, not because we want to just uh, boast about, look, I'm, I'm sacrificing for you. No, we're doing it out of love for the other person. We're sacrificing. Moms who give birth to children sacrifice a whole lot, let me tell you. The pain and suffering that Jay talked about, or I think it was you were talking about that, right? Yeah, Miss Tanya can remember that she's more than willing to sacrifice that pain and suffering for the beautiful two girls that she has. And I'm sure all the rest of you who have given birth are willing to sacrifice that pain. We do that for our children because we love them. Romans 8. 37 through 39 says, no, let me try this again. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, one of the things this verse in Romans tells us is that spiritual love is unending. It's not a temporary feeling, an emotion, or an attraction. It's built on something much more than that. When you say, I love you to someone, you should understand that that word that Christ calls us for that to be, his love that he gives to us as a model, is unending. There is no end to that love. In a lot of relationships, again, if I get back to the marriage relationship, we are only loving based upon a person making us feel good, and so there's an end. That, 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 that magical line in the scene is that they're no longer doing what I want them to do, so I don't love them anymore, and let's just end it. Can I tell you that any relationship that's truly built on love can overcome any problem? Yes, even adultery. I have mentored and I have counseled with couples who have, have dealt with this. And, and one of the greatest things I can tell you today, one of the most happiest times that I have in my life is seeing a couple that I mentored many, many years ago. And I'm talking 20 years ago. I had an opportunity to mentor through a, a couple through an adulterous situation that was going on. And today when I watch them here, they have, they have uh, I think, three wonderful, beautiful kids. All of this happened after that affair. Scripture actually says that one of the ways that you, you can end a relationship is because of an adulterous affair. And so when I mentored this couple through this, they asked me, and, and the wife specifically asked me, is this grounds for me to get a divorce? And I said, yes, if you would like to, but I don't think you should. 
this can be overcome if you're willing to work on it. See, anything in any relationship is, willing, is able to be overcome if you're willing to put that energy and effort into it. Obviously, in an affair or an adulterous situation, what happens is that one side or the other has stopped sacrificing themselves. They put their needs above the needs of the relationship, and so therefore they go and find the need, their needs to be answered by someone else. But that can be overcome. All of, anything can be overcome in a relationship if you base it in love. God himself is telling us that his spiritual love for us will have no end. What Jesus Christ did on that cross is not going to end just because we've sinned. Does God like it that we sin? No, he doesn't like that we sinned. But he's not going to end his relationship with us just because that has happened. His love for us is unending. His love for us is, is not a temporary feeling. His love for us is not based upon an attraction. He didn't look down at Belinda and say, I can use her, so that's why I'm going to love her. No, he loves her because he created her. He loves me because he created me. He loves all of us because he created us. And his love has no end. And so his model to us, because it has no end, should be that we should also love in the same way. Why is it so easy for us to walk away from love? It's so easy for us to walk away from love because we're not loving each other in the spiritual sense that God called us to love. Again, we're loving in the way that the world wants us to love. Many of you in your relationships, whether marriage relationships or something else, have had these circumstances that came in your life and it got to a certain point where you thought, this is the end of my relationship. But something kept you there. You fought through it. I love hearing those stories. I love you know, hearing the stories of when two couples fell in love and then they fell out of love for a moment in time because of something happened, but they worked through it. See, those are the stories that we should hear about. We shouldn't hear about and write movies and, and watch movies that talk about, oh, I'm leaving this person because this person was bad for me, and then they found the true love of their life. No, if you made a commitment before God in marriage, Holy matrimony, it's a ceremony that you do not just between two people, but you do it between God and yourself. You're making, a, you're making a commitment to each other. And you're making a commitment before God. God never intended love to be ending. He always intended it to be through thick and thin. It is why the greatest story of love and redeeming love was Peter. When Peter responded to Jesus and he denied Jesus three times, God loved him so much that he redeemed Peter. And that's a, that, that is by far the most beautiful story, I believe, besides Christ dying on the cross, of love in Scripture. There's a, there's a multitude of stories of love in Scripture. But to me, that's one of the greatest things. Why? Because Peter not only denied Christ one time, not twice, but he denied him three times. And yet he still came to love. And God still loved him, and so he redeemed Peter. I think most people never really get to see the biblical love in their relationships. We somehow stay in a form of lust or a form of worldly love and want only what feels good to me to be what I define love. Today, we define love in so many different ways. And I'm not going to get into the discussion of gender roles and those types of things, but the honest truth is that God has a baseline of what love truly is. God has a baseline of what love is really meant to be. The marriage love is meant to be between a man and a woman. But it's also intended not to be ending. 
Love is the journey of two people going through their life who are willing to die for each other, who are willing to sacrifice each other. That is what love truly is. Divorce and broken friendships are littered everywhere around us today. Why? Because we are not really interested in loving the way that Christ wants us to love each other. Your love that you have for friends, your love that you have for your wife, you don't, listen, it's as simple as this. If you're here today and you have children or you're watching online and you have children, you don't just love your children because they do everything right. When they do something wrong, listen, Jay and Doreen love Ethan. Is Ethan perfect? (laughs) He's a good kid. Listen, he's a wonderful kid, but he's not perfect. But his mom and dad still love him. I'm not a perfect husband by any stretch of the imagination, but my wife still loves me. Now, she's a perfect wife. Now, I'm going to play smart here. See see how I did that? (laughs) Yeah, well, she's sitting right back there too, Jay. So I got to make sure I'm careful on what I say, right? But the honest to goodness truth is that we have to learn to love each other even beyond the bumps and bruises. Just because you have a a hiccup, just because you have something that happened in a relationship doesn't mean that you have to depart from that relationship, depart from that friendship, depart from that love that you have for each other. The sad reality is that today in many churches, love isn't even being formed here. In many churches... We get angry at each other, and so therefore we, 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 we cast them out. We don't love them the same way because they made me angry. They didn't come to church. They didn't do this. They didn't do the event. They didn't come to my picnic that I had at my house. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. And so therefore, they're not just, I'm not going to have the same relationship with them because, you know what, they didn't do what I wanted them to do. That's happening today in many churches. The true reality is that we in the church should be the, the model citizens of what love really is. to learn to act selflessly in our love for those around us. We need to be sacrificing. Sacrificing love in relationships and friendships. Listen, the reason why I can truly say that I love this man sitting in front of me, and yes, it's a bro fest today, right? I guess it's a bromance that we're having right now, Chaz. No, but the truth of the matter is I can say that because I know He's been there for me. When I needed him, I could call him and he would pick up the phone and he would talk to me. If I needed help with something, he would be there. He got my butt on a, on a bicycle to go 20 miles. I mean, come on, that's, that's saying a lot, right? But the reality of it is, even besides that joking, but the reality of it is that we have a relationship that I'm here for him and he's here for me. He would sacrifice his time and energy for me and I would do the same for him. The same would go with Corey. The same would go with Jay. Other people in my relationship, in my life, who I can truly say I love. I love them because they're willing to sacrifice. But I am willing to sacrifice for them too. A relationship only works if we don't measure that relationship based upon what we get. But we measure it in addition to what we give. A relationship, any love relationship, has to be a has to be an equal part of giving and receiving. When that happens, then we can truly be in a relationship and we can truly say that's what love is. First John chapter 4, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. The truth of the matter is, is that if you want to know what love is, if you truly want to know how to have love in every relationship, whether it's 
with your uh, spouse or whether it's someone you're dating or whether it's a friendship or any of those things, if you truly want to know what love is, then you got to know what, who God is. The reason why the world has such a skewed view of what love is today is because they have a skewed view. Uh, skewed. They have a skewed view of who God is. They think somehow God is this mystical character up in the clouds, you know, the, the, uh, as I heard, was told in a, in a discussion the other day, a cloud daddy, a daddy in the sky, right? Uh, they think somehow he's up there and he's just getting ready and he's ready for you to mess up because as soon as he messes up, he's going to strike your behind with a lightning bolt. Or they, think they have no concept of what, what that truly is. See, if they truly understood that God is all about love and he sacrificed everything that he is for us, that it would make a huge difference. But because they don't understand that, they begin to view love based upon what they know and what they view and what they perform love as is what love means to me and that is what someone has done for me. They don't know who God is and so therefore they can't love in the same way. You here today, you want to love better in your marriage? You want to love better in your friendship relationships? You want to love better in your kids? You want to love... If you just want to love more and love better, then love God more and love Him better. Because the more that you know Him, the more that you dive into His Word, the more that you begin to grasp a hold of who He is, He's going to show you what true love really is. The way that I model my love for my wife is based upon what Christ tells me. Christ tells me, and Ephesians tells me, that I have to sacrifice myself for my wife. I would be happy to do that. I would sacrifice everything I have. Even my truck. (laughs) Which I did, by the way. One time in a relationship, my wife came to me. She goes, we need a minivan, so that means you've got to give up your your truck. And I'm like, oh, what? I've got to trade my truck in for a minivan? Are you kidding me? We did it. But listen, the truth of the matter is that if you want to know what love is, I wish I could sing because I'd start singing an 80s song, you know. You want to know what love is? I'll stop there. Um, <laughs> oh, now it's stuck in my head. Thank you. Uh, I, got, I gave myself an earworm uh, or ear whatever they call those things. Is it earworms? Is that what they're called? Yeah, okay. But you really want to know what that is? You really want to know what the truth All those that are under, like all those that are like not our age, you know, all these young kids are looking at me like, what the heck are you guys talking about? Do you even know that song? You do? Oh, bonus points to Logan there. Good job. All right, so listen, the truth of the matter is that if we want to know what love is, if we want to learn that, if we want to grasp and love in the way, if we want our marriage relationships to be built and be stronger, then we've got to learn to love like God loves. We've got to love like Him. We've got to love Him. We've got to learn to follow Him. Learn to follow Jesus. When we do that, then we will learn exactly what love is. Can I ask the worship team to come forward, please? God is the author of love. And if he is the author of love, then he is the one that we should learn what love really means. In our marriage relationships, the more we strive to be like God, the more we strive to be like Christ, the better our love relationship is going to be with our husband or our wife. The more we strive to be like Christ, the more we learn about what he says, 
our relationship with our kids is going to be much better. We learn to love like Jesus loved, then our friendships are going to be so much better. If we learn to follow him, listen, I, th- this is, I know this is the, this is the, the easy pastor, like, you know, like the common pastor, be like Jesus, but honestly, be like Jesus. It's not hard. I mean, uh, uh, every Sunday I get up here and I preach and I spend time and I spend, uh, you know, many hours and hours and hours preparing a message. But at the end of the day, I could really just go up and say, be like Jesus, and that answers all of your issues. In this particular case, if you want to love better, be like Jesus. You want to love your wife better? You want to love your husband better? Be like Jesus. You want to love your kids better? Be like Jesus. You want to love your friends better? Be like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He sacrificed himself. But besides just sacrificing, understand that Jesus told the truth too. I love the story of Jesus at the well. He goes to the well and he meets a young lady there and as he's there, he looks down at this young lady and he says to her, are you married? She goes, no sir, I am not. His response to her should have been something that sent her off the side of the cliff. Should have been, she should have got really angry. She should have got so mad at him that she said, I, I don't want anything to do with you. He says, not only you, you're telling the truth, you're not married. Not only the person that you're with at your home is not your husband, but either are the previous four, five, six people that you had. He basically was calling her not so nice names. But he did it in such a loving way. Christ was such out of love that when she looked at him, she didn't care about the sins of her life. She, didn't, she was bought into the love that he had for her. Why? Because he was asking her to dwell, to pull water from this well that he should have never asked this young lady to do. At that time, Jews would have nothing to do with her. They were, the, they were the ones that were looked down upon, if you will. They were second-class citizens. And so when Jesus comes to the well and he asks her to dwell water for him, what he's doing is he's asking her to do something that he should have never asked to do. But it, it was his way of saying, yeah, you have issues in your life. Yeah, you have problems, but I'm asking you I'm asking you, I want to have a relationship with you. I'm opening up my heart to you and I'm accepting you even though I shouldn't. And he expresses this love towards her. She could have got mad. You know that? She could have got very mad. She could have ran away and said, I'm done with this. I I don't want some guy telling me I'm adulterous. I don't want to tell this guy. This guy basically called me a whore. Strong word for church on Sunday morning, but that's the truth. But instead, what does she do? She was so amazed at the love that Jesus had for her that she not only got, had this relationship, this interaction with Jesus, that she ran to the town closest to her and she began to tell everyone about the story of who she met. Why? Because Jesus loved her. Think about it for a moment. If in every single relationship that we have in our life, if we approach people in our life the way that Jesus approached the Samaritan woman, we can still, you still need to tell the truth. Jesus told the truth. He told her what she was doing was sinning. She was sinning by living with this man and all the other men that she had been with. 
not some hard material to give. Yet he still loved her. And he still expressed that love. If you and I would just learn to express the love that Jesus has, we can tell the truth. You can do all of those things that you need to do. You can express all of those things, but when you express it in love, it's somehow different. Getting back to Corinthians, it's not a gonging symbol. It's not a loud noise. It's not an irritating noise when you do it out of love. When you build your relationships out of love, the words that you speak, the interactions that you have with each other mean so much more. When we get angry, that's when we should get closer to God. You're in a relationship with your husband or your spouse or your children or a friend and you're angry right now with them, draw closer to Jesus. Ask him, how do I love through this situation? He will show you. He will give you the the wisdom that you need, the strength that you need to get through this. In order to really love, you are intended to love the way that Jesus loves us. You must first come to fall in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with Jesus, then you can fall in love with everyone else love them in the way that Christ loved you. If we learn to love like Jesus, then our love will be enhanced in every single relationship we have in our lives. But it starts with loving him. Will you stand with me, please? I want to start with an offer to you. Some of you are here today and maybe you have never given your life to Christ. Some of you are listening online and maybe you've never given your life to Christ before. You've never truly said, Lord, I want to love, I want you to love me like you say you're going to. What that love to reside inside my heart and I in turn want to love you in that same way. I'm willing to sacrifice. See, our, our relationship, sacrificing doesn't just happen in our relationship with our loved ones. It happens within our relationship with Christ too. Because God calls you to sacrifice yourself. See, true love, true biblical love, means that you're going to lay down your life. And you're going to pick up your cross and carry it daily. You're here today and you've never done that. You've never had that opportunity to share Christ, to accept him, to say, I love you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. See, what you, your life, our lives, all of our lives, are characterized by what we do bad here on this earth. We all have a penalty to pay, every single one of us. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all do. It's it's second nature. And and if you're here today telling me that you haven't, then you're lying. Because the truth of the matter is, whether you've sped, whether you've slid off the side of the road, Lucas, uh, whether you've done something else, sorry, I had to get that out. Was it you, Logan? Oh, I was blaming Lucas, Sorry. I had, to, I had to give your boys a little hard time, you know, right? No, whether the truth of the matter is, is whether you've sinned, whether you've sped, whether you've done something that you shouldn't have done, you said words, that, thought actions that you shouldn't have thought. Right? We all have done that. That means we have a debt to pay. We have a debt to pay Christ because God requires us to have a sacrifice. He, in the Old Testament, the sacrifice was we would kill a lamb and we'd walk through it and we'd offer that to him. That, that burnt offering, that sacrifice. We all have a penalty to pay. 
because we live in a sinful world. We are sinful people. But Christ came to the cross and he paid your price for us. He paid our price, I should say. He paid your price, he paid my price, he paid all of our price. And today, the way that we can have eternity in heaven, the way that we can be accepted there is just to accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I. By just saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I have fallen short and I need the sacrifice that you already did on the cross for me because you love me so much that you're willing to sacrifice everything that you were. See, the love that Jesus had for you, he was willing to take on all of your penalty. He was willing to take on the weight of your sin. He was willing to take on all of the negative and bad things that you and I have done. And he put them on the cross and said, here is a sacrifice for you. Too often, we forget that the pain and the suffering and the nails that Jesus took on that cross were for you and I. It wasn't just for the people at that time. Some of those nails, some of those pounding of the hammer that sent the nail through his wrist into the, into the cross or for you and I. That is the ultimate form of love. And when we accept that, when we accept the love that Jesus Christ says, that in Romans, Paul says that if we accept, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he died on the cross for us and that he loves us, then we shall have everlasting eternal life shall have heaven, a perfect eternity waiting for us when we pass from this place. It's as simple as saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for what I have done and help me come into my heart. Let me love you like you love me. I confess with my mouth. I believe with my heart that you are Lord. With those words, you've said those words and welcome to eternity have a assured eternity in heaven with us, with all of us, all of anyone who has made that commitment. But I want to go one step further before I turn it over to the worship team, and that last step is this. If you're here today and you've said those words, but somehow you've gotten away from the love of Christ, see, somehow we tend to forget about what Jesus did for us. We begin to walk in a, in a direction that we shouldn't be walking. We do things that we shouldn't do and, and we say things and, and we begin to forget about the relationship that we have with Jesus and we find ourselves not close to the cross, not close to Christ, but we find ourselves living like the world, loving like the world, loving in this way and it turns out to be something really, really ugly. It turns out to be something called a hypocrite where we know what we need to be but we're really over here doing this. Christ's love isn't just for those who never accepted Jesus Christ on the cross. Christ's love and what he did on the cross is for us every single day. All of us who have accepted that and you are secured in your salvation in Christ, his love and what he did for you, for, for you on that cross doesn't just end when you accept him that day. It continues day after day after day. So when you make a mistake and you find yourself far away from where you need to be, you can grasp a hold of that cross and you can pull yourself closer to him and you can say, I love you, Jesus. I have been far away and I've done things I shouldn't have done, but I am coming back to you and back to the love that you have for me. That's what Jesus Christ wants to do for every single one of us in this room. He wants to teach you what true love is because his love doesn't end based upon what you do. His love is going to love you no matter what you do on this earth. And he wants you to love in that same way. And I pray that you can have a newfound idea of that love that agape love, that God would do anything to have you with him. He sacrificed everything for you.
just have that love. So Father, we pray today, we come before you in this place for those that have already accepted Christ, Lord, and we come to this place and we know that some of us are far away from that place where we need to be. We haven't been loving people in the way that you have asked us to love. We haven't loved you, we haven't loved our wives, we haven't loved our husbands, we haven't loved our neighbors, our friends, anyone around us in the way that we have. We've allowed this version, this selfless, selfish, I should say love, come into our heart where we make love all about what people do for us instead of what we do for others. But Lord, you have called us to this newfound love, this love that means that we are willing to sacrifice like you sacrificed for us. So draw us back in. Father, we are sacrificing ourselves to you today. This time, this energy, this effort, all of these things, our prayers, our words that we lift up to you, we're lifting them up to you because we love you, Father. Come, help us, give us wisdom, give us strength. Come to you in that way. Lord, we love you. We ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for not loving the way that you have asked us to love. Call us unto you. We love in that way. We love like you. We love our wives. We love our husbands. We love our children. We love our friends like the way that you loved us, Father. I believe today that the world needs that love. They don't need this fake love, this selfish love that is all around us. They need true, honest, 100% love that comes from Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to be that heartbeat, to be that form of love for the people around us today. Yeah, he loves us. Oh, how.
salvation by the grace of Jesus Christ is His grace. type of relationship but most importantly if you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage relationship can I tell you that there's hope don't give up I believe that all marriages are blessed by God and that if we fight if we strive if we if we put all of our energy and effort into it that we can to be successful in those relationships. Yeah, it's not easy. One of the things I often say is marriage is work and you have to wake up every morning wanting to work on that. But I just want to encourage, I I just feel strongly like I need to encourage those here today that are in marriage relationships, don't give up. Keep fighting. Keep sacrificing. Keep pushing, getting to know and and overcome the problems that are in your life because God wants to overcome those things. Marriage is important to him. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you have done. I thank you, Lord, that you even now, I believe, is working on relationships. I believe that you're working on marriage relationships. I believe that you're repairing friendships. I I, I believe that you're repairing family, broken families, whose relationships are torn and, and scattered because of issues that have arisen in their relationships and in their, in their lives. Father, you are the great mender of relationships. You're the great one who calls us to have these relationships with each other. And I believe that you have what we need in every single relationship of our lives. Lord, I pray that before we leave this room today, that we would turn to you and sacrifice our hearts and our minds, our relationships. We give them to you, Father, and ask you help us to love more and love better. Love like you. Father, help us today as we go forth from here to love the people around us the way that you love. Help us to be your expression of love, Father. Many people in the world out here Many people that we will be running into will view and understand what love is based upon what we have done and what we are doing. 
Sometimes it's no wonder to believe, Lord, why, or no, it's, it's not hard to believe why the world is such skewed view of love when they look at Christians and say, that's love? Father, help us. As you are an example to us, help us to be an example to this dying world around us what love truly is. Help our marriages, help our families, help our friendships, help our church, the way we serve others, be an example of the love that you have for us and the love that you have for every single person in this world. Send us forth from this place, being your agents of love, Father, to love like you. Forgive us when we haven't done it. Give us wisdom to work through those times and those places where it seems difficult and we can't seem to do it today. Help us, Lord, to go forth and share the message, the gospel of love, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We honor you. We praise you now in Jesus' name. Listen, don't leave this place without, if you have things that you need to discuss or you like some prayer, we would love to have an opportunity to pray with you. Pray over your marriage, pray over your friendships, pray over whatever relationship you're having difficult with. But leave this place being an agent that God has called us to love like him. God bless you all. I hope you have a wonderful uh, week. Be safe, stay warm, and we'll see you again next week. Have a great day.